We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome to Lead Talks with the Craigs. My name is Pastor Craig. I'm Pastor Chad. Yeah, we are here in episode number five of season three. number three. That's yep. right. Season number three, Pastor Chad, we've entitled, In Order to Lead, You Must First Be Led. And we're talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit as a person. We've discussed kind of in detail the Holy Spirit's voice and speech to us. We talked about our sensitivity We've talked about the Holy Spirit's uh, ultimate gifts in last episode. Yeah, so overview of them. Yep, yeah, spent a them. lot of lot of time kind of delineating three different spiritual gift passages. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and prayer. And that's not to say that we hadn't been talking about prayer in some capacity, but we're going to really focus today on the relationship between the Holy Spirit and prayer. And I uh, just want to say again, as always, what a joy it is to have you guys join us here on the podcast, whether that's YouTube or audio podcast. And uh, like always, uh, just keep carrying on the conversation mm-hmm. with us. So Grateful I, for those that's already subscribed. Yes, yes. And so I think uh, close to 250 subscribers. So man, it'd be awesome if we get to 300 subscribers. Oh uh, yeah, let's get up to 500 soon. Yeah, that's right. So in this episode, if you uh, you want to share it with other people, of course, uh, feel free to do so. And and, and, and good feedback. So if you're able to feedback, whether that's an email or, or specifically here on the video, it's always helpful for us because right now we're speaking to cameras and we're speaking to one another. That's right. But we're really speaking to your ears and heart. And so for us to be able to have that feedback and response and dialogue is always so very helpful. But Pastor Chad, we're going to yes, talk today sir. about how willing God is to give us the Holy Spirit. And I want it burned into our minds, into our hearts. We're going to look at Luke 11. So if you're able to look in the Bible, we're going to look at Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. And this is Jesus, of course, himself speaking. He said, What father among you, if he, his son asks for a fish, will instead of giving him a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks you for an egg, who's going to give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Pastor Chad, what I wanted to notice, first of all, is the position Jesus puts us in in this story, is that we're like a child. And this is not like a, a quote-unquote teenage child that gets you know drafted into the army or to the armed forces. That's not what the type of child. He's talking about we're like an, uh, a toddler. My kids you know, are now a little bit older, but they were just in the age where if I don't give them food, they don't eat, right? when they're younger. And in in relation to spiritual power, that's where we are. We're absolutely desperate. But God in this story is the ever-watching, ever-merciful Father who loves to give if we just ask. So Pastor Chad, I wanted to kick us off in the conversation today just telling all of us or reminding something that we've learned is that when you become aware of these two things, you will always become a great person of prayer. The first one is when you become aware of your great need, And number two, when you become aware of God's great willingness. Because the truth of the matter is, Pastor Chad, there's a lot of people watching today, Mm -hmm. and they have a problem maintaining a disciplined prayer life. And a lot of times we talk about that as being a self-discipline problem. And yes, you need to work on your self-discipline, but prayerlessness at its core is a a gospel problem. The reason oftentimes we don't pray, pray is because we're either unaware of our need or we're unconvinced of God's willingness to help. 
So if I'm unaware of my need, I'm not going to approach him. Mm -hmm. I think I got it on my own. And maybe I'm aware of my need, but I'm not aware of his willingness to help. Right. Right. So when you believe those two things, your great need and God's willingness, prayer becomes instinctual. I mean, it becomes natural. Right. It's like breathing. It's like. Yeah. Nobody. Outflow of spiritual life. Yeah. Nobody here is having to have self-discipline to or breathe out of self-discipline. Nobody here is listening, you know, awake for three hours and say, whoa, I forgot to breathe today. I haven't I haven't breathed all awake. Like, even the least disciplined person still breathes continually. Or eats. Huh? Or eats. That's right, yeah. Because your body... Yeah, your body knows how how plenty, plenteous oxygen is and how bad your body needs it, so you breathe. I think, Pastor Chad, it's my frequent tendency towards pride and my unbelief that keeps me from breathing in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to explore in this mm-hmm. this episode today. So when you think about the relationship between p- prayer and the Holy Spirit, what are some initial things that, that kind of come to your mind? Well, the initial thing after what you just said is the the need reality. Yeah. Um, that I, I see how that's what God used in, in my life to form a Christ form habit of prayer mm. was he, he used what the enemy meant for evil. He used it for my good yep. of getting a Christ formation habit. And what I mean is, is you talk about those who don't know their need. Well, part of knowing your need is also knowing who we are, right, as a human. Right. Apart from him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But apart from him, I also made a lot of bad choices, and there was uh, residue, repercussions because of those choices. I, I dealt with you know mental oppression and assault and and the oppression and intimidation of the enemy right. because of wrong choices I made. So living with that vulnerability yep. for such a time, I was forced to constantly be aware of my need, yep. which drove me to the constantly seek help from him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why prayer began to be formed in my life. It's like, man, I, I can't make it through the day, mm. you know, in a, in a healthy way without God's help. Right. Which, you know, pushes you into prayer. That's right. Now, again, like you said, it doesn't mean starting off, you have all the relational trust that God's going to meet you every time yeah, or, or all those dynamics, but you're just there Your out of need. Pushes you. Yeah. But when you, or then in that context, God's going to use it, what, to grow your relational trust of his willingness, of willingness to, to help, to deliver, yeah. to sustain, to yeah. strengthen you. That's right. So that's my initial thoughts on, awesome. on that. Awesome. Well, the verse that I wanted us to to pray during this podcast, it's, it's kind of a unique one. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. We often don't go to the book of Habakkuk. He's one of our minor prophets. But I, I really wanted to focus on this verse because there's kind of three things that I wanted to pull out from it. And, and I, you know me, most people who follow me for any time, I like to find the peculiar, sometimes often overlooked passages and and try to glean or pull from them, you know, allow the kind of scripture to create the outline. But this is this is what it is. This is Habakkuk 3.2, Pastor Chad. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So three things I was going to show, we're going to show out of that verse today. Number one, Pastor Chad, every major spiritual awakening in the Bible was connected to intense times of prayer. Number two, five things, we could be a lot more, but it's kind of focus on five things in the Bible that the Holy Spirit does when He comes, which, by the way, are only things He can do, we can't do. And then lastly, I wanted to kind of give a couple of examples of what this looks like in the Bible. So, 
Apply this to your life, your context. Number one, the connection between prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. So every major spiritual awakening in the Bible is connected to an intense time of prayer. Pastor Jay, I was thinking Joshua 24, the renewal of the covenant, a spiritual high for Israel. And it begins by saying that as a congregation, they stood before God. Meaning in the book of Judges, Israel goes through these cycles where their hearts would grow cold. You remember, and they mm-hmm. would wander from God, and God would punish them, and he would cry out, they would cry out to God, and God would bring them a deliverer. Because, and then it would start the process back over again. But the point I wanted to make is that desperate prayer always precedes God's deliverance and power. The delivering hand of God is always preceded by desperation. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what we want to kind of flesh out for a few moments, is our desperation for the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. really, it, it opens the windows of heaven in most, the most of unique ways for not only spiritual revival for us personally, but the, the things that we put our hands to, the communities we belong to. Yeah. Yeah, God has designed life to be where He wants to be hungered and thirsted after. after. And he gives a promise for that, right? That those that hunger and thirst, he will feel. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, is God wants to be desired by his creation. Mm-hmm. And so hunger and, and passion is an important thing to him, which is interesting because so much of some orthodox historical Christianity mm-hmm. removed passion, removed emotion, mm-hmm. the liturgy and and the habits began to replace the emotive yeah. involvement. More stoic. Yeah, very stoic. Uh, and even today, they're still in places, right? They talk about like emotionalism and, and worship or things like like it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If that's all that's engaged, of course it's bad, but we're spirit, soul, we're emotions and yeah. body. God wants us to love Him and express all that to Him. The mo- yes, emotions yeah. are so so thoroughly... Got to have a whole book scripture. of Psalms, right? Yeah. Filled with the range of our emotions. So... um so hunger is important, and God has also designed the world to work through prayer. Yeah, that's right. Prayer is a dynamic um, that you see throughout God's Scripture and yeah. the role prayer has because Scripture presents something to us that we wouldn't believe or understand unless it did, and that's the things that are seen are there because of the unseen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. God spoke, and the seen world was created. Right. And so prayer is this place where we approach God who is unseen in the Spirit, mm. right, to receive from Him His power and the things that we're facing that is seen in our life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hebrews 11 says, without faith we can't please Him. Yeah. And what pleases Him is that we would be filled with Him, That's right. that we would know Him. Yep. And it takes faith. And and faith, a part of what you're saying, causes us to draw near to God yeah. in prayer because we learn His willingness. That's right. That He's pleased to give us the kingdom. That's right. He's pleased to fill us with, with the, the Holy Spirit, which is not just word only, right? Yeah. The kingdom is word and power. Power indeed, yep. And so, um, and what's amazing is even if when we don't yet have a desire for prayer, if you just start and be honest, yeah. that noble heart saying, God, I know I should have a hunger for prayer, right. spend time, but I don't. Yeah, no pretension. Yeah. yeah. Create in me. That's right. 
That's and right. Paul talked about that he prayed not with his own affections, but the affections of Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's Prayer begins where we are, not where we ought to be. Correct. And and motivation then becomes the greatest trap of the enemy because the idea is if I feel motivated, I'll do it. But you don't actually feel the motivation till you do it. That's not right. Right. New habits never get formed in people who first wait for the feeling. Yes. Right. You you make a decision by the will and the greater value and purpose of what you're pursuing. That's right. And then in due time, after your will has involved in that decision long enough, then feelings come. That's right. So we so so if if every major spiritual awakening in the Bible is connected to intense time of prayer, we looked at Joshua twenty four. The other one I was thinking of is the de- dedication of the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, another high point for Israel it begins with this heart rending. Prayer of Solomon. Solomon's prayer. Yeah. And and uh, in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land, forgive their sin. He says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So when does God show up? When people pray. Yeah. Right? When and, people pray. And can I really challenge us? Yeah. In all Old Testament texts, because notice it says humble and yeah. prayer. There's two aspects. When humility and humble ourselves before God, it's always in connection to adding fasting to our prayer. Mm-hmm. Meaning the greatest hunger, even beyond the hunger of prayer, is when we also add fasting to our prayer. That's right. There's Super no greater true. hunger because yeah. you're saying, hey, I live not by bread alone, but I need your word of power I, I, in, in my life. And so, Amen. First Kings. Israel's in a place where they're half-hearted, worshiping God, worshiping Baal. Elijah gets on his knees and prays that God would make himself known to the people. And what does God do? He sends down fire from heaven, right? That removed any doubt in the Israelites' hearts. Pastor Jai was thinking of the renewal of Nehemiah. King Artaxerxes, please let me go back and rebuild the walls. Mm -hmm. The renewal under Nehemiah happened as the people listened to the word of God. In fact, that's what he does with Ezra. And they hear and confess their sins, and they called out on God's name. Um, Yeah, the book had been lost in the... Yes, dirty yes, temple. He discovered it. Yep. And then in the New Testament, so those are Old Testament examples, but Luke goes out of his way, Pastor Chad, to show us the Holy Spirit comes in answer to prayer. This is Luke 3, 21 and 22. And when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. When the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, Luke makes sure to note what was the church doing. And what these were, were all doing? with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. We can't Acts miss 14, that. Right? I mean, the whole New Testament life of the body of Christ is being framed foundationally in Christ through this framework. Amen. Yeah. Of what Jesus said. Absolutely. The tearing in prayer. Absolutely. Acts 4, they're dealing with very intense persecution. So they get together to pray. This is verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place they were gathered together was shaken. Mm-hmm. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. boldness. So you see it again. Power of the Holy Spirit married to prayer in the kingdom. Every major spiritual awakening in the Bible is connected to an intense time of prayer. And my point of saying that, Pastor Chad, is it's not hard to predict. One always goes with the other. You know, the church that I got born again in, Pastor Chad, they they had scheduled revivals once a year. And it's always so interesting because revivals are not based on a calendar. They're based on conditions. Yeah. Right? But we, we, we somehow tried to memorialize or monumentalize revivals thinking we could do them. But yeah. what leads to the revival is not the scheduling. What leads to the ri- revival is the condition of God's people. Correct. Right? Crying out to God. Yeah, the Old Testament wineskin, Paul even writes to Galatians. He's saying, look, if you're depending on... Uh, natural seasons 
and calendar in order to experience God's favor and power. You're, you're operating in the old wineskin. Jesus tells his disciples, I give you keys to the kingdom. That's right. And one of the keys of the kingdom is repentance. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. when Peter began to preach to Israel, and he says, hey, you murdered the just one. One of the things he says is, repent, and times of refreshing will come That's right. from the presence of the Lord. That's right. Acts 3.20. Yeah. yeah. So we've given keys to unlock spiritual power, and, and prayer is, is the context, the place. Yeah. Absolutely. To begin to use the keys and access it. Amen. Amen. I pulled a quote from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, David Martin Lloyd-Jones. Keep talking about it. I, I mean, I'm... You want to go pray? I'm getting close to really feeling it, I'm telling you. D. D, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, He. this is a. It's, it's kind of a lengthy quote, but I thought it would be beneficial. Just, just listen to the impetus here. He said, The inevitable and constant preliminary to revival has always been a thirst for God, a living thirst for the knowledge of the living God, and a longing and a burning desire to see Him acting, manifesting Himself and His power, rising, I love this, and scattering His enemies. This is what Lloyd-Jones said. Our problem is getting to a place where we realize how absolutely impotent we are. At first, we persist in thinking that we can set the situation right. We think if we just write a new book, preach some better sermons, start some new mission work, adopt a new program, this will stem the tide of the enemy. But we come to realize at long last that it's not working, at least not effectively, to stem the tide and save our children or our community. Now watch this. And then we remember the promise that when the enemy comes in like a flood, it is the Lord who will raise up a standard against him. Yeah. So he says, so we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. It's not so much an organized prayer emphasis as it is an act of desperation. And then and only then does the power of the Holy Spirit come flooding upon us and into us. And he ends and he says, and he does in a moment what incremental organization can hardly accomplish in half a century. Don't you love that phrase? I want to say that again. I love he does in a moment what incremental organization can hardly accomplish in a half century. My question for you today, if you're a parent, you're single, you're married, you're not, are you at that place yet? We don't need another scholar, another athlete who's going to be another outspoken Christian. All those things are good, but we need something more. What we need is a hunger a hunger for the mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God, right? Yes, amen. So that's the first thing I want to talk about is just the key to prayer and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Pastor Chad, is five things that the Holy Spirit does when He's present. And these are things that only He can do. Now, okay. we've talked a bit, a bit about these, but just just kind of rapid fire. First of all, He convicts. We, we, we hit this a lot in, in uh, episode one, John right. 16 and 8, right? When He comes, He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And Pastor Chad, what that means, the Holy Spirit makes eternal realities real. Yes. I don't know anybody else that can make sin seem distasteful other than the Holy Spirit. Can anyone else make Jesus and His righteousness seem beautiful? <laughs> or even makes He makes uh, judgment seem imminent, like it's coming soon. Right. That's what the Holy Spirit's conviction does. And, um, Which is why those who are spirit-filled people walk close with the Lord in every generation since the Lord returned to the Father has believed he was coming in their generation they, because yeah. the Holy Spirit causes that witness of, of the reality of judgment. Yeah, amen, amen. So the sign of being filled with the Spirit is that, is that sin seems distasteful, right? Eternity seems close. Jesus seems beautiful, you know. The sign of the, the fullness of the Spirit, Pastor Chad, is quick and, and frequent conviction over sin. 
right? That's mm-hmm. what the Holy Spirit does, is he convicts. The second one, though, he creates all. A-W-E. He creates all. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fills the church, and it says fear or awe is the real word. Yeah. Came upon every soul, right? Yeah. On people inside and outside the church, the Holy Spirit creates this sense of awe, this worship before God. Like what I what I guess what I'm trying to say, Pastor Chad, is before God's Spirit comes, there might be knowledge about doctrine, but then when He comes and that knowledge is swallowed up in the sense of presence, right? And um, I learned something this week. Don't we always learn? But in the Old Testament, you see this recurring phrase I was reading in a book. Whenever people are awakened, the fear of the Lord. In the New Testament, you rarely see see the the phrase the fear of the Lord, which is odd because it's so important in the Old Testament. And in, in Proverbs one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The mm-hmm. Lord keeps His covenant to those who fear Him. And this Old Testament scholar's name is John Murray. He says this is because the phrase the fullness of the Spirit is synonymous to the fear of the Lord, and he proposes that they're interchangeable. Hmm. And so what he's saying is both of them prefer, refer to a profoundly spiritual encounter with the presence of God that goes beyond intellectual beliefs and a sense of awe. Isn't that cool? That that fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, which is not fear as in like, oh, I'm trying. Yeah, reverential. That's right. Is synonymous New Testament Reverence. with fullness of the Spirit. Is that in that moment, I have an awareness of His largeness. I have an awareness of His power. I have an awareness of His glory. Yeah, that, that bears witness with me. It makes sense uh, biblically because... I mean, you think fullness of the Spirit would be another way to say the the fullness of His ministry, His new covenant role. And, you know, you take like Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, where Isaiah prophesies of the functions and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and one of them is the spirit of the fear of the Lord, yeah. right? And yeah. then spirit of knowledge, spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of might. And so the fullness of the Spirit, or the fullness of His ministry would obviously include that reverential fear. Mm. Um even in the New Testament. So um, Paul used the phrase fear and trembling uh, several Working times out your salvation, yeah. to, to talk about this reverential awe yeah. uh, because God has provided grace for you and I. That's you right. Know? That's right. Yeah, so he convicts, he creates all. Third one is he transforms appetites, Pastor Chad. Thank God. Amen. For it is God, Philippians 2.13, who works in you both to will Willing and to, work, to do, right, yeah. for his good pleasure. And I think that's a point that I wanted to maybe we can just focus on or talk for a yeah, few moments. That, that's sort of like what I mentioned when Paul said that he prayed with the affections of Christ Jesus. Yeah. And what that means, affection there is desire, right? Desire yeah. is the will, part of the, the suke, the, the soul the of soul. you and I as humans. Mm-hmm. And so this is the great exchange God offers us is that like in, in growth phase, divine design for sight, we deal yep. with this deeply, that Christ didn't just die for me. Yep. Some just didn't happen outside of me. The yep. gospel is f- to all of me. And the gospel has provided something that can happen on the inside of me. That's right. And that's that Christ died as me. So where I had prayerlessness or no affections to push back the temporal and the scene of the world and to go in the secret place, and, and to pray in the Spirit and seek the Father who sees in heaven, right, and then rewards openly, that where there were those places that were void of those affections, those things Christ became and took on the cross so that the affections that Christ had, yeah. who lived a life of that's prayer right. and dependence on can now be formed in that area of my life. That's right. And that's the great exchange. Right. I, I Man, I'm telling you, when, when you hear the good news of the gospel, of all that God is offering you and I to exchange, it's like, man, let's just run to the mercy seat, Jesus, and let's exchange Amen. these places that are dry or void for the affections that God has provided for us in Christ through 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And that's the point I wanted to say is that the we need God to help us love God. Yes, dear God. The Spirit of God. What and what the Spirit of God does for people is He births in them a desire for God. Pastor Chad, if I if I heard once as a youth pastor, I heard it three million times. A lot of people feel like Christianity is a have to religion. Right. Right. But when you've encountered the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God doesn't just compel you to do what's right. He gives you a love for what's right. It changes. So you do it naturally. I want to. I don't have to kiss my wife. I get to kiss my wife. I don't have to eat a Ruth's Chris steak. I can't. My stomach won't allow it. I don't <laughs> have to take a, a nap. I get to do all those things. And Paul in the book of Galatians, we talk about this a lot in growth phases, but uh-huh. he explains that the Spirit of God does in our hearts what the demands of the law never could do. That's right. He said the law can tell you to do what's right, but only the Spirit can give you a love for what's right. Can provide no power. That's right. Spirit gives you love, joy, peace, patience, all of those, which are things the law could command, but the law couldn't produce. And the way the Spirit does it, Pastor Chad, is not by telling us a bunch of stuff we need to be doing. The way He does it is by opening our eyes to the glory of God and what He's done. Yeah, is given us a sight of this is what God has accomplished through Christ. We talk about repentance. You did it just this morning as a change of mind about our sin, as if we are primarily the ones changing our minds. But really what happens in the gospel is when we contemplate Jesus, God changes our minds and our taste as we view him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he by his spirit transforms those. And I, I don't know about you, Pastor Chad, I pray this for my kids like reading about John the Baptist filled from his mother's womb. That's what I want from my kids. I used to think exciting testimonies were cool, you know. I was a prostitute. I was on drugs. I was about to kill someone. I heard a voice from heaven. And I, and I you know, I'd be like, well, a lot of kids around here, church kids, they look jealous or feel jealous <laughs> about those testimonies. And then I have kids, and I'm like, I want my kids to have a nice, boring testimony. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> those testimonies ain't going into all the— the stuff that came with that dysfunction, even though Amen. God saved them. Amen. So that's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing, Pastor Chad, is he manifests God's power. First Corinthians 14, 25, he says the secrets of his heart are disclosed, talking about the unbeliever. And so mm-hmm. falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. Yeah. What I thought here is, does that happen to unbelievers when they get around believers? It should. But does it? Not enough, not, not enough. Deuteronomy 4, 7, Moses speaking to Israel, watch this, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God to us whenever we call him? That's what he's saying is the other, no, other nations would know, right? People come into contact with the church, the, the church, the, the living God through the church, Jesus, or we pray for them, or we go out in our community and engage them, or we talk for them. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit in that moment, manifest his power to draw people to himself, right? To make it clear that, hey, he's real, right? I mean, in so many ways, that's what miracles are in terms of bringing validity to the authority of Jesus in the New Testament. That's right. Bringing authority to, or or affirmation to, witnessing to to his declared truth, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why spirit empowerment is so important, because spirit empowerment is to be able to supernaturally witness to the fact that he is Lord in Christ. Right. Yep. And God has dis- demonstrated that fact through His resurrection. That's so right. it's supernaturally witnessing to the res- resurrection. It's not just testifying in our own human right. element, and um, it's it's the supernatural witness to it. And you know, a lot of people overlook. You know, Jesus uh, after 
He obeyed the Father in water baptism by John the Baptist's cousin, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and then he was led, driven, yeah. driven right into the wilderness. Is that you know the the victory over temptation and what he would face um, in in dealing with demon possessed people and and things like that? It was all one in the Spirit. And when you read the text, it says that after the forty days of prayer and fasting, that he returned not just full in the Spirit, but also with in the power of the Spirit. And this yes. is what you're talking about is, right. is, is the fullness of the Holy Spirit's ministry yeah. is that one aspect of the Holy Spirit's ministry is this dunamis power. Mm. And the scripture highlights that Jesus was both full of the Holy Spirit, but then also and power. Mm-hmm. And so, but that came out of the place of prayer and fasting, Amen. which is what we just said scripturally, the posture of of true hunger, thirst, and awareness of need. That's right. Dependency. That's right. That's right. Very good. Very good. Well, the fifth and final one that the Holy Spirit does that only He can do is that He empowers the church. And uh, we used a lot of passages last episode to talk about this, but the mm-hmm. one I wanted to use for today is Ephesians four ten through 13, where God gives gifts to the churches, right? The, the What we call the fivefold ministry. And it says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature. And Pastor Chad, I've preached that. You've We've talked about this verse hundreds of times, but when I was reading it again this week, something came to alive to me, is that in a Spirit-filled church, everywhere you turn, you're being spoken to and ministered to by Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't, you can't go anywhere without encountering the voice of Jesus. You turn to your pastor— what do they do as a spirit-filled pastor? They give you the voice of Jesus. You go to your connect group leader, and you're hoping you're getting a different answer. There comes the voice of Jesus. You turn to your your accountability partner, spirit-filled per- person. You can't go anywhere without encountering the voice of Jesus. Like I've asked them, how would you always, how would you like to be always in the presence of Jesus? To have His voice for assurance, His counsel, His guidance. That's what happens in a spirit-filled church. That's what he just tells us, right? Is that we're going to be built up until we reach unity in the faith. Which is why, yeah, statistically, yeah, the number one first evidence and fruit that someone someone has stopped listening, yeah, and hardened their heart to Jesus Christ, their Lord and King, right, and are beginning to backslide is to disconnect from fellowship. Yes. In Christian community. That's right. Because of what you're just saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So number one. Yep. Number one. Yep. So the Holy Spirit turns people into the eyes and ears and mouths and hands of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The body of Christ. That's right. That's right. So that life-giving presence, whether we're talking about in a church or your family or personal ministry, that only comes through intense, intense prayer. And and just one thing, because I was quicken yep. on that, because I know we have a lot of people that you know, been through bad context and there's a lot happening, you know, in D church and all that kind of stuff that, you know, um, in our culture today. But what we're talking about is this is only, um, real and experience in a spirit filled community, meaning you can harden your heart and disconnect from the head. If, if you're in a so-called church, but it's just religious routine where the Spirit of God is not prioritized and people aren't dependent upon it, okay? So, you know, I, I used to go into context like that still tripping yeah. on acid and drunk and high, and there there was nothing 
to push back. Yeah, there's no manifest presence. To right, conflict. from that. Um, but when you have people who are aware of their need and, and they're hungering and, and, and if, like we talked about before, Ephesians 5, continuing to be filled with God's Spirit, right. then everywhere you turn, you have the working of our King Jesus seeking to correct or comfort or encourage and, and minister his kingdom and life to us. Amen. Um, which is a, man, you, you can't put a price tag on that. No, no. If you want to grow into the Ephesians 4 maturity. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we live in times where I don't care what you think you know. If you're a seminarian, if, if you're another leader in, in a church, if someone has not had encounters mm-hmm. with God as revealed through Jesus Christ, through communion with the Holy Spirit, there's no way they actually know all that they think they know. Oh, no. No, there's no... You, if you, once you become so in all of Him, you've immersed yourself so much in Him, then you begin to imitate Him. So now I'm not just speaking truth; I am true. He's made me true. Yeah. Right. And then my life becomes—we call it incarnational theology—but my life, incarnational witness, my life becomes the testimony. Like our greatest apologetic, all of us, our greatest apologetic is our, our life lived in front of people. Yeah. Right. For out of our experience in communion. Correct. With, with God. Correct. Way that's way more powerful. And in a world that ever is increasing in, in hopelessness. A, right. They're going to need to, you know, see it Spurgeon said the, the most needed ser- sermons today are sermons in shoes. And what he's talking about is that incarnational living, living out a life truly transformed by the gospel, living right. under the leadership of the spirit creates the disparity when one looks at that life to say there's something different between that person and myself. So that's sort of like what Dr. Luke says in in Acts that distinguished the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and it said the apostles that they noted they had been with Jesus. Oh, yeah. Unschooled, ordinary men. Incarnational, encountering, intimacy, dynamic. There's no substitute for it. That's why Moses said in Exodus 33, how in the world... Are the will the the Canaanites know that we are yours and be distinguished and separate unless you go with us? Not hey, give us a book or some manuals or All some right. words that we can tell them. No, your presence has to go with us. Uh, Acts seven, Stephen, the same thing. When they, uh, th- this is what I was thinking, of, and, and this leads us to the last point of, uh-huh. of our discussion today. I was going to use one Old Testament example showing how the Holy Spirit comes in the church in the, in the New Testament. In the New in the New Testament, Acts seven. 54, 55, 56, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, that's the phrase, that's mm-hmm. the qualifier, gazed into heaven, the text says, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And, and he said, behold, I see the heaven. What kind of faith does it take? You're getting pelted by rocks. Shoot. And you look at the rock throwers and say, behold, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Only by the Spirit of God. Right? To me... Although I've never used this passage that way, that really is a pattern for being Stephen. Right there's a pattern for being filled with the God, with, with the the Holy Spirit. First of all, he lifts his eyes to heaven in prayer because that's what the Spirit does. He keeps our eyes on Jesus, our Lord and King. So God gives to him a, a glimpse of Jesus' glory. That's where Spirit baptism starts because Spirit baptism is to prove His ascension that He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's Acts right. Two. That's right. That's right. right. So what did He see about Jesus? And, and this is an odd detail in this text: is He sees Him standing. 
And the reason that's odd, because every other place in the New Testament, Jesus is seating, but he's standing. Sure. And what's happening is that all the religious leaders are calling Stephen a heretic, but Jesus, which is the prince of theology, stands up on behalf of Stephen and says, he's mine. That's what I'm seeing here. You're calling him a heretic. I'm standing up in his place and saying, that dude's mine. Yeah, what's scandalous is later Paul uses the language that all forsook me, but the Lord stood with yes, me that's right. and strengthened me in my trial. Yes, and suddenly when that happens, the the... The significant opposition you're facing doesn't seem really significant. Oh. Right? When Jesus, the Lord of glory, stands up. And by the Spirit, you're seeing that? If the he, weight of that glory is, is heavier than the weight of those stones being yeah, thrown. If he's for me, who in the world can be against me? And then seeing that glory, what does he do? He opens his mouth and proclaims it. And to me, that's the pattern of being filled with the Spirit. God opens our eyes to his glory. Then we look to him. We receive that glory we receive the fullness of the spirit we're transformed yeah, yeah. and then we go proclaim jesus with confidence and power yeah and that's the fruit of the spirit right fruit of the spirit of course we know is love joy peace patience kindness goodness, goodness faithfulness yeah. so on and so mm -hmm. forth but we know that the, the the baptism of the spirit specifically is that witness would be the essence is that we go in her in boldness. so many ways yeah. have boldness right yeah and of course there's a young utterance. man watching right his name was saul yeah right he's in the and it was it was it was this sermon and Stephen's testimony that so impacted him. He realized, man, if I was getting squeezed the way Stephen is right now, that ain't coming out of me. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And Stephen was a regular person, not an apostle. And and notice this too, Pastor Chad. Stephen testified in pain. Right. Yeah. You know, I was thinking Paul was not converted. That as, that that's the only what biblical Christianity can do. Right. And Paul was not converted through seeing Stephen delivered. He was converted through seeing Stephen full of the Holy Spirit testify to Jesus in the midst of pain. So for the person who's out there thinking, i got to have it all together, and life's got to be rosy for people to think mm -hmm. that my God's good. No, their witness is that in the midst of their pain, they're testifying to the glorious gospel yeah. and God's faithfulness. So think of the pattern, how the Apostle Peter put it. No, no sufferings beforehand, glories to follow. Mm -hmm. So Stephen is suffering right then the glory that follows is what does paul say that believers that he led to the lord and church he said are his glory and crown That's so right. stephen's suffering and then what follows is saul becomes glory afterward mm. because he comes to the faith amen and so this is what paul then writes that our participation of the sufferings of christ allows resurrection glory and power to touch other people's life. Yep. Amen. Amen. So the, if that's the New Testament example, Pastor Chad, X7, I was going to get one Old Testament, then we'll, okay. we'll close got? it down. Exodus 33. So this is, I referred to it earlier, but mm -hmm. God has declared his intention to take Israel up by his power into the promised land. And of course, Joshua, son of Nun, whose dad is a tetrarch, right? He's a pagan, but yet he's come to the faith. Joshua is going to actually lead them from Mount Nebo into the promised land. But when Moses is there in Exodus 33, it's interesting because verse 5 and 6 says that Israel, they rid themselves of their idols. Then verse 13, Moses asked God to see his glory and experience his presence. And remember in verse 15, he says, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. Exodus 33, 15. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not you're going with us so that we are distinct? and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. 
So there's the pattern. They repent of their sins, their idols. They have a prayer to see God's glory. God's presence comes upon them so strongly that the rest of the nation see it, and they know they belong to God. And I don't know, Pastor Chad, I don't want to be, I don't want to be trying to look at it with just rose-colored glasses, but, but if revival is coming to us in the West, and in so many ways people feel it and sense it, revival, to me, it's going to be characterized by two things, and the first one is repentance. Oh. A repentance. What habits no or sins are we hiding? Remember the story of Achan. Israel goes out to fight and loses because of the sin of one of its leaders, right? It has yeah. nothing to do. And, and I'm not trying to send somebody who's watching today on a personal witch hunt. I'm just trying to say that when God's presence becomes real, sin becomes intolerable, Right? We don't just peacefully coexist with sin. I told a person last yeah. night, late in the night, because of a disastrous situation with another pastor. And I told this person, I said, hey, man, sin is a kill or be killed battle. You can't peacefully coexist. It's killing you or you're killing it. It's always asking for more. Man. Right. And every great revival, Pastor Chad, in history has been characterized by, by repentance. Repentance and prayer, yeah. That's right. A great book I read recently called A God-Sized Vision. It chronicles the great revivals of like 400 years. And, and there's a quote. So the great revivals in China and Korea in the past century have been characterized by this. Awareness of God's holiness impels believers under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to seek Christ's forgiveness. And this is what it said. Sin's horror becomes unbelievably evident. So we can't be people who grieve the Holy Spirit and experience revival. Yeah, I mean, not if we want to be full of the Spirit. We can't <laughs> we, keep grieving. We right? can't be aching. We can't, we can't keep quenching the Spirit. Which right. is why prayer is so important, because yep. prayer provides a context for the Holy Spirit to have checkpoints, yep. right? To to check things that's getting off in our heart or wrong entanglements of thinking that our mind's starting to embrace that's worldly. And, um, and that's why power comes out of prayer, because prayer provides a context for the Holy Spirit to bring us back to repentance. Amen. Amen. To bring us to the all of God. Yep. Absolutely. So that was that was my second one. So if the first thing that characterizes revival is going to be repentance, the second one is prayer. It's going to be prayer. Yeah. You yeah. Know, God's people learning to pray again. And um, it, <laughs> and it sounds simple, and it is, but it's not simple in getting people to do it because of, for whatever reasons at times, we don't ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Yeah. To get us praying. Yeah. Meaning, how many people do we know? I mean, we we can pastor people for years, potentially, and they know that the Father's provided Christ and, and access to the Holy Spirit to provide a Christ-formed habit of prayer in their life, and yet they don't have a designated context, a consistent time, and the secret place. Yeah. Well, there's nothing else I can tell a person like no. that. It's a matter of what you're saying, starting with recognizing your need. And another thing about need I was thinking as you were sharing is the fact that part of recognizing need is that, again, we're in a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. And we're not only dealing with our own humanity, but we're dealing with real demons and devils that despise people yeah. and want to hold regions captive to cultural sins and things like that blinded the hearts of the unbel or the minds of the unbelievers at least they should be believe yeah. 2 Corinthians 4 yeah so when I realize we wrestle against flesh and blood that increases again 
my sensitivity of need Amen. for power, which then should propel me to prayer. Absolutely. And um, and why do you? Why do you? And why do I need to be awakened? You need to be awakened so they can be awakened, right? We've got to be awakened so that the world around us can be awakened. So absolutely, Pastor. If Jim. I don't taste and see, it's doubtful those around me is going to be able to taste anything good Amen. coming out of my life, and then they're not going to see the all of God. Amen. But Amen. we can be, by His grace, living epistles like Bread Paul told the, the Corinthians, right? Absolutely. So here's our prayer. It's 2,500 years old. It's from the prophet Habakkuk. O Lord, I've heard the report of you. Your work, O Lord, do I fear. Watch this. In the midst of the years, revive it. What's he saying? I've already heard the reports of your work. Revive your work again. In the midst of your years, make it known. And in wrath, remember mercy. Hmm. So the way I was going to end today's podcast, Pastor Chad, is just asking for those who are following just to open our eyes that we may see God. We don't want to just hear great reports about God. No, jeez. We don't want to just hear great reports about what He's doing around the world. We want to experience firsthand for ourselves that that we would fear God and repent of all of our known sin and are very sensitive to His conviction and let us burn with passion for the glory of His name. And in your mercy, that's what Habakkuk says, let us make it known to those who are lost around us. That's revive us. That's revive us. That's what revive, revive us again, Lord. So that's what I'm praying. And, and um, if you're willing to receive this prayer today, maybe you want to pray with us, whether you're listening or watching as well. But let's just go to the Lord. God, we do pray with Habakkuk, oh Lord, we've heard the report of you. We've heard your work. We fear you. In the midst of your years, revive it. Lord, we pray revive us again, God, for people today that are watching this podcast and been tracking with us through this, uh, this season of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leadership. We want to be woke. We want to be awake, God. We, we don't want God to bring revival just to us. We want to, to see him bring revival to our cities and across this great nation, God. The focus is not on how big we get in our churches the focus is on people knowing Christ. The focus is on hope intersecting people's lives. And so, God, we just pray right now you would open our eyes that we may see you, God, that we don't want to just hear reports about great things you did in the past. We want to experience you firsthand for ourselves. Lord, let us fear you that we would repent of all known sin and we would be sensitive to your conviction and the leadership of your spirit, that we would burn with your, with your, with your fire and your passion that in your mercy, as Habakkuk prayed, you would make it known to us, and then we would make that mercy known to those who are lost all around us. God, that we would share of your grace and mercy. And Lord, like Habakkuk prayed, we say, revive us again. Lord, let prayer become a daily staple of our lives. We pray, great teacher, Holy Spirit, lead us into times of prayer, times of the secret place, Lord, times of intimacy. Close our door that our Father who sees in secret will reward us openly that god in that moment as your word says in matthew that what we hear in secret would proclaim from the rooftops and that god in so many ways you're drawing people to trust you in greater ways and we just pray for each person listening today that they could develop the discipline of prayer but even more than the discipline the great awareness of their need and then the great awareness of your willingness to give your willingness to give your strength, your Holy Spirit, to them that ask. Like we started this podcast today in Luke 11. We evil fathers know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more does the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And so we ask today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Pastor Chad, any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, it, it just hit me in this episode just in a different light with Dr. Luke is, 
also saying there is because that that's scandalous in and of itself because the Old Testament under people that under knew the Old Testament and understood it, they knew the Holy Spirit only came upon special people that God had designated. Mm-hmm. And because the Old Testament people knew that, they wouldn't ask for the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because they knew, no, that's only for a select few. Yeah. So yeah. he is making this scandalous thing, yeah. saying now, you got to understand, such a new wineskin of what the Father's done, all his children can ask. Yeah. And he's ready that what you read about Samson and coming upon Saul and he turned into another man and prophesied and David yeah. and, and, and Deborah, the judges and Deborah and the Hebrews 11 people of faith. The Father wants all of us. Yeah, you could have heard have grass that. grow when he said that. They're thinking. It would have stunned them. Oh, man. And maybe and, it is for some of you because maybe you don't know New Testament reality that we're all now priests unto God in Christ. And as priests, once the blood's applied to our life, then the oil's got to be applied mm-hmm. to be able to live out the priestly duties to, right. to see Serve. people, yeah, reached with the reality and the witness of Jesus Christ and God's good pleasure. To give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we'll be back, episode number six. We've got three more episodes for this series here, or what we call uh, uh, season Season number three. three. And uh, we're so, again, grateful to continue the conversation. Smash the buttons, like, shares. Like, subscribe. You can turn on the notifications. We'll see you next time. God God bless bless you.